And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL draft is now officially open. Welcome back to Prospects to Pros on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Dane Brugler. He's Lance Zerline. Uh, today's show, we're going to hit on my updated top 50, who's rising Who's falling? Who are some of the new names? Where does, uh, you know, maybe Lance and I, maybe we differ on, on a few players, you know, maybe too high or too low. Uh, we're we're going to go through all of that. First, I want to touch on a little bit of news from around, uh, you know, the the college football and NFL world that really uh, affect the draft and, and the evaluation process. Several SEC games this weekend have been canceled, or I guess I should say postponed, at least at this point. We don't know uh, if they'll be rescheduled, but they, all this is due to covid Georgia at Missouri, that's postponed. Alabama at LSU, A&M at uh, Tennessee, Auburn at Mississippi State. All these games have been postponed. And, you know, really, I think it, it's kind of like we're seeing a little bit of a trend here where several teams, once they lose a few games and the original goals kind of appear unattainable, a lot of these players, you know, they're, they're, they're young players here we're talking about. They're, they let their guard down. And unfortunately, it's kind of shaking up the schedule uh, down the stretch in the SEC. So I don't – is that fair to say, Lance? I, I'm not sure. Oh, I can tell you that that's what people around the NFL and people around the SEC are saying. Mm-hmm. Um, spoke to a friend of mine around uh, at the SEC Network, and he's worried the college football is going to end up shutting down at some point because this is going to get worse and worse because what they're seeing in the SEC is, is exactly what you pointed out, which are players have just either – you know, like all of us have the COVID fatigue – or they just say, look, I'm just – I'm going to go do one of two things. Either I'm going to opt out. We'll, we'll see some players opt out and start I – th- I think we're going to start seeing more of those guys begin to opt out and start training for the NFL draft. Or you're going to see guys just taking more chances than they would normally. Because here's the thing. We didn't see this in Major League Baseball. We saw an early outbreak that hit a couple teams. And then they really got it together for the most part. This is happening in the NFL, in college football um, – you know, I don't want to speak to the NFL. That that is, there's older players there, so obviously, and 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 staff, and you send kids off to school. Maybe they bring it back. Who knows? The college, though, it does seem pretty, pretty likely, especially based on videos that you see all the time and stories right. about an LSU player. You know, players going to the Halloween party. Um, that they're just going to go and take chances because they just say, look, either they think they're bulletproof or they just don't. They just don't care anymore uh, the same way. So the problem is <clears throat> when that happens in mass, look at this. The SEC is, you know, really, you're going to miss a bunch of SEC games. And some of these games, I think they're going to have a hard time making up some of these games. So mm-hmm. this is going to happen in some different conferences. We know Wisconsin had back-to-back games that got canceled. And in the Big Ten, once they're over, they're over. They're uh, they're canceled. You're not going to make those back up. So those are considered no contests. So we'll see how it goes. But I, I really worry that we're going to have a growing number of games 
that are postponed or canceled, not just in the SEC, but throughout college football. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And hopefully they get this figured out. I I mean, the NFL, you figure a lot of these young guys, a lot of, I mean, there's there's more on the line for them. Uh, If you, uh, you know, unless you're an established starter, if you mess up and you test positive and you let your guard down for one one reason or another, I mean, your job could be in jeopardy. So your livelihood and there's just not that type of, urgency i guess from from college players and it's it's tough it's it's just a tough time for everybody and hopefully you know they can just get it figured out so we can you know because a lot of people are affected uh you know it's not just the teams it's not just the players these young guys a lot of people are affected by this uh in a lot of different a lot of different ways so it's going to be interesting throughout the the months of november and december to see how it plays out uh i want to expand on this just for a second um uh, certainly not minimizing the uh, – as someone who, you know, as we talked about on the last one, I, I had mm-hmm. COVID just recently, and I certainly don't take it uh, for granted, and I don't take it lightly. I know different people have different experiences with it. But I am curious just to get into the practical side of what we do for a living, our draft stuff. How many – typically how many tapes do you need? Like I can get what I need for certain positions from a few mm-hmm. game tapes – for other positions like quarterback, it, you know, it's just it's not enough. Now we can always go to 2019, but that is, and you know, we have to do that for certain players who have opted out. But it's really tough. I mean, I had to go back. I finished Walker Little. I had to go all the way back to 2018, and and I saw some holes that I really was concerned about. And right. then I saw one game in 19, and I saw a little more strength there. And I really wish he would have played in 2020, so I could have seen him on tape because I feel like I'm not really sure who or what he is physically. With some of these players, I'm kind of curious, can you get what you need out of three games in a season? Well, yeah, I think it's just a case-by-case basis because, you know, we've talked about it before. Jamar Chase did not need to play another down in college football for us to know what he is. But you take a guy like Trey Smith, for example, at Tennessee, he's not having a great senior year. I mean, the tape that he's putting out there has not been very good. And we'll get to this uh, later, but he fell off my top 50 uh, just with the, his performance this season. And so uh, he, he's a good example of a player who, you know, he, he needs to be out there to show, hey, I, I'm still belong in the top 50 uh, discussion or even the first round discussion. And, and here, here's why. And, you know, what he's put on tape, that it has a lot of evaluators uh, around the league a little bit worried about that transition. So it's tough. And another guy, and this kind of lets us transition into the into the next thing I want to talk about, was we have a lot of senior bowl invites going out and some accepted invites. And one of them is Jamie Newman, uh, who opted out of this season and a guy who had a, a productive year at Wake Forest last year and you know did some good things transfer to Georgia and you know this is going to be his chance to show hey I belong in the top 100 conversation and I'm a future starter and all this but he opted out and this now there's a ton of eyes on him at the senior bowl to see if he can kind of flip the narrative and I don't know can you do enough at the senior bowl if you're Jamie Newman to intrigue teams enough to convince them that hey I'm not an early day three guy I belong in the day two conversation and you know I'm worth that investment (laughs) yeah I think that's the question um I do think it's a very smart move for him to play in the senior bowl I don't think there's anything to lose look a lot of quarterbacks don't look great at senior bowl you're dealing with new wide receivers sometimes you can deal with some some weather issues not always but every once in a while but I think Jamie Newman is a guy who you had mentioned it early, and after I finished writing him up, I knew you were exactly right. He just didn't show enough on tape 
to warrant an opt-out from a draft standpoint. From a Mm -hmm. health standpoint, okay, that's fine. From a draft standpoint, there was still a lot that needed to be seen on tape. And so even though he doesn't have – I think a lot of players need to think about this. If they opted out of the season and they are graduates, then they really should consider the Senior Bowl because – this is going to pack the week full of players. And once again, we have to see how COVID restrictions work out and things like that. But it will be full of players who are draftable prospects. And so you will get one-on-one matchups and you'll get battles in the team phase and in seven-on-sevens and things like this where you will be able to show your wares against you know, some of the better competition out there. And so it really will give teams a chance to see you on tape in 2020 it's not it's not game tape but at the same time it's still very valuable to him right and you mentioned walker little that's a player who has has graduated or he, he's on track to at least so he will receive a senior bowl invite now whether or not he accepts i don't know and that's 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 a player that needs to accept a senior and senior bowl invite to go out there and prove what he can do because we just don't have a ton on him the last two years. I don't, how did you grade uh, Walker Little? Well, so I finished him uh, last night, and what I did was I watched all of 2018. I watched his one game in 2019, and I thought that he looked like, uh, for me, well, I'll just pull up some of my notes right here. To me, he looks like a guy who has some core strength issues. He has a hard time getting guys off his edge once they get to his, his angle. He's got very good feet. He's athletic. Um, I think strength is a big concern right now. He's an athletic player who has some technical stuff that he needs to work out. But the thing that concerns me most is his level of natural core strength. I don't see a very strong guy in the upper body. And so when big guys you know, kind of get to his edge, he has a hard time pressing and extending them. And that's a big concern because if you're not strong enough, that's almost a deal breaker in the NFL. The problem is a majority of the tape I watched was from 2018 when he was two years younger. When I watched one game in 2019, I saw what I thought to be a little, I saw saw a better kick slide already in one year. And and remember guys improve over the course of their college career. I mean, it's natural. We're all going to improve from the age of 19 to 21. Yeah, you're going to improve. And so I saw a more fluid kick slide in that one game against Northwestern. Um, I did see still some strength issues, but he looked like his body composure and his, his, his contact balance was a little bit better in that one game. So now I'm thinking to myself, okay, on tape, I thought he looked like a, a third round projection, like a third round guy that you project to be bigger and stronger. Um, I did not see a first rounder. I think he'll go in the second round because teams, and once again, Maybe when he goes to a workout, he's he's 10 pounds heavier than he was his in 2019. Maybe he's more muscled. This is stuff that happens naturally as guys grow into their body. So maybe there are some things that physically are going to help him. And let's say he plays in the senior bowl and plays well. Well, he's at a priority position, so he's going to shoot up. But I think when you just watch 2018 tape, and once again, this is two years ago, I mean, that's a guy to me who I would give like a uh, – uh, a six one or a six two two, which means good backup with a chance to become an eventual starter. So you you are expected to eventually become a starter, but maybe an average to maybe slightly below average starter at tackle, and that's what eighteen looked like compared to grown men who will be in the twenty twenty draft and grown men in the NFL. So now I got to figure out, man. 
I've got one game in 19. Can I extrapolate the, the, the jump from 18 to 19 and do it again from 19 to 20? And that's the hard part. So I've got to balance out 18 tape versus projecting his overall physical growth and strength. And that's, and as you know, Dane, that's, it's not a given that guys get strong enough. It's just not right. a given. Some guys just don't have that kind of core. So you can't just assume they can't, but you also can't assume that they're who they're going to be when they're 20 years old. Cause that's not accurate either. Right. And that, that goes to the words upside and potential. And, you know, it's that that's where evaluators have to really, you know, look into the crystal ball and try to best understand not just what they are right now, but what they're going to be in two, three years down the road. And, you know, some guys, they're tapped out. Some guys you think are going to get stronger and, uh, you know, really develop more once they get into an NFL strength and conditioning program. But it's different for every player. And for Walker Little, I mean, this the senior bowl is perfect for him. A guy that's barely played the last two years, show NFL teams what, you know, how are you moving after the injury? Because that's the thing. We, every every uh, knee injury is different. You know, we don't even know how he's going to be moving out there. That's a good point, yeah. So, you know, it's just, it's there's so many uh, unknowns with a player like this right now that I couldn't include him in my top 50. I, I think that he could eventually get there into the top 50 if, uh, you know, we see him maybe move up a little bit throughout the process if he's able to, you know, uh, get out there and show what he can do. And it's tough because in the current landscape of everything going on around the country, I, you have to take advantage of what's going on today. Like you really can't focus on, uh, you know, workouts in a few months because we don't know what, what what's the combine going to look like. You know, what are personal workouts, pro days? What are, what are these going to look like this year? We just don't know at this point. So if you have a chance to show NFL teams uh, something today or tomorrow, if you have a chance to put something on tape, take advantage of that because we just don't know what the next few months are going to look like. Yeah, 100%. You've got to put something on tape because there's a lot of guys who really um, will be hurt by not having that tape. Um, opting out. You know, here's a guy who opted out, Kylan Hill. He hadn't really done a lot this year. To me, I wrote him up last year expecting him to go. I'm going to watch him this year on tape. I can't I can't imagine it's going to be much different than what I saw in 2019. So I think who he was in 19 is who he's going to be. But I talked to uh, speaking of Paris Ford, I talked to I talked to an NFL uh personnel director yesterday and he asked if I'd seen him yet and I said no, I haven't I haven't really watched him. He goes, "You know, he offsets some really good tape with some really bad tape. And he oh, said, yeah. that's the real problem for me, is it? And he goes, also, all I heard in the building was about what a great player, uh, what a great teammate he is and a lot of stuff like that. He said, but this looks like he quit on his team. Mm -hmm. Like he just said, that's it. Things aren't going well. I'm out. He goes, that really bothers me. That really bothers me. So I think there's going to be so many things at play that we've never seen in the past. We know last year's draft was highly unusual because no pro days. Well, almost no pro days. I was at the last one at Oklahoma. But not as many pro days, individual visits. Everything was done virtually. The draft was done virtually. Well, this year the big difference is going to be players who have only had one year of tape will have, or even two years of tape, who are positional change type guys. We're going to see more projecting and guessing about upside than in any draft in the history of the NFL. Yeah, it's, it's really going to be interesting. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. A few other Senior Bowl uh, accepted invites I wanted to hit on. Uh, Ole Miss tight end Kenny Yaboa, uh, Temple transfers, having a nice senior year. Uh, Penn State pass rusher Shaka Tony. Uh, he's uh, a little undersized, but he, he brings the juice off the edge. Uh, Central Arkansas corner, Robert Rochelle. If you haven't seen it, go to the Senior Bowl, their Twitter feed. They posted a video of uh, Central Arkansas's head coach kind of announcing the invite to the team. And it was a pretty cool moment for him. Oregon corner, Thomas Graham, uh, he's in that mix as well. So some pretty talented uh, you know, seniors that we're going to hopefully get a chance to see in a few weeks here in Mobile. I wanted to pivot real quick. Uh, before we get to the top 50, one rookie performance uh, from Sunday I wanted to hit on. Tua Tagovailoa uh, made his second career start. It just looked outstanding, uh, leading the Dolphins to a, a win against Arizona. In Arizona, uh, went to toe-to-toe with Kyler Murray, played really well, finished 20-28, 248 through the air, two touchdowns. Took care of the football. And I thought he'd really impressed with the mobility, that, that trademark twitch that we always talk about with his movements, his delivery, uh, you know, that really impressed us through the process. And, and it was on full display on Sunday. So, uh, you know, I think there was some initial pushback when the Dolphins benched Ryan Fitzpatrick for Tua, but uh, not anymore. Uh, you know, what were your thoughts on seeing Tua out there? Well, he looked great. The first game, he didn't have to do anything. He was just okay in the first game. Ton of defensive help. Um once again, it happened again. Shaq Lawson scoring a touchdown. But see, here's my thing with the the um, the Miami Dolphins. I believe that, that everything that you do as a general manager and as a head coach, at some point you have to decide we are pointing towards becoming a Super Bowl caliber team. And that is your goal, right? That's the end point. That's everyone's goal. And some teams actually are, are potentially on that path. And it's, it's easier to get on that path if you're further back like the Dolphins or the Arizona Cardinals were or even the Bengals because, you know, it's it's you can make a lot of moves and, and there's a lot more wiggle room. If you were a team um, at the top like um, the Eagles, right, even you could say this about the Eagles last year, you really could have said it about the Texans who we're seeing take a big fall back. There's a big difference between being in the mix and being on the road to competing for a Super Bowl. And I think that when you look at what the Dolphins – in goal is and how many draft picks they have this year 
it was really smart. I get the idea of keep winning, keep a culture of winning. You could still do that with Tua if he starts winning, but Ryan Fitzpatrick is not your quarterback of the future. And so at some point, you need to turn to Tua to get him experience so that he's ready to hit the ground running next year mm-hmm. when you have two firsts and two seconds in this year's draft and based on what you've had this past year. So I thought it was very smart. I understood the arguments against it, but to me, Chris Greer and 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 Brian Flores are trying to build towards a championship. So let's see the guys playing. And to that point, I'm going to swing it back into college. You know, there's going to be I'll, just a guy here at University of Texas, uh, Sam uh, Ellinger. Sam Ellinger can come mm-hmm. back for another year next year. But Texas has a talented uh, quarterback named Hudson Card, who maybe is a little more dynamic than Sam Ellinger. You know, I, and I don't I don't know the answer to this, but would Texas want Sam Ellinger to move on so they can get younger guys moving up? Or would they want that veteran presence back again for what, in essence, is a free year for college football players? I think a lot of colleges, Dane, are going to want older players to just move on so they can get the younger, more vibrant players up and start to train them up because they'll have a, a, a potentially a two- or three-year run with these younger players. Yeah, well, and that's going to, we're going to see plenty of transfers, that's for sure. Um, if guys want to take advantage of that extra year, and it's going to make it really tough on NFL teams trying to figure out exactly who's in this draft class and who's not. So uh, hopefully just from an accounting standpoint, uh, the the league is uh, organized with how, you know, there's a, a clear deadline, just like the underclassmen, a clear deadline, and you have to decide if you're going to go back to school for another year, you're going to uh, come out. Uh, that, that's something that NFL teams n- need to stay in front of. Let's get to the top 50. I, I want to hit on this, uh, uh, make sure we have plenty of time to touch on uh, everything included in here. No surprises at the top. Lawrence and Fields, one and two. You know, that's the way that, you know, things have played out. Trevor Lawrence remains the favorite, um, you know, even with him being out the last two weeks. Still the favorite to go number one. Justin Fields has looked outstanding. I give him a ton of credit from not opting out to doing whatever he could to get on the field just because he wanted to show the world how in, how improved he was in several areas. And so far, so good. He's done exactly that. Uh, but there's a new quarterback three uh, in the mix, uh, and that comes in at number six overall on the top 50 board. That's BYU Zach Wilson. So, uh, I mean, he had maybe the toughest test uh, this pa- this past weekend against Boise State, uh, you know, the toughest test he's going to have this year. Uh, and he passed it with flying colors once again. You know, Lance, I-, I know we've hit on Wilson before, but he just continues to impress. I actually, I got a call from uh, Gil Brandt yesterday, and he left me a voicemail and you could just hear the excitement uh, in his voice. Did you see the first two series after halftime by Wilson? Who boy. I mean, he he was, Gil was definitely uh, <laughs> excited about what he saw. So, yeah, I, and I think that's a common theme right now uh, around the league with, uh, uh, with with Zach Wilson. They're just, he's an exciting player, and it's really fun to think about how that uh, could possibly translate. Yeah, and, you know, I, his arm talent was on full display yeah. against um against Boise I mean he made some throws that were just tremendous and I think when you look at him from a size standpoint very average from a size standpoint he's not he's not a prototype of what you would want he's not 225 pounds 230 pounds I think he's a light 212 pounds he's going to be right around uh six foot two six yeah I'd say yeah probably probably a a legit six two Mm -hmm. And I heard one comment I asked about him, and one comment I heard was he's kind of small. 
But you look at the arm, I mean, and that is a legit arm. I tell you, I, I watched Trey Lance. I didn't see the arm talent. It, Trey Lance looks like a guy who wants to be an arm talent quarterback, but he's really a rhythm quarterback. When you really study him long enough, he doesn't have the arm talent. A lot of throws, the nose will dive on the ball. They'll sink. They'll drop down. That's not Zach Wilson, man. Zach Wilson can flip it. And I, I think you're I think you're onto something here, making him your quarterback three. I really do. Getting back to Justin Fields for one second, you know, I think another important thing, because people tend to have a tendency to to say, okay, because this quarterback, like I think it helped Kyler Murray's draft stock that Baker Mayfield had a good rookie season. Right. Here's a, a shorter quarterback from the Oklahoma quote unquote system. And he had a good rookie season. So it made it easier for the Arizona Cardinals to get behind the idea of Kyler Murray. And then maybe it was Kyler first and Cliff Kingsbury second. Maybe it's Cliff first, Kyler second. I don't know exactly how it played out. But I think you could look and say, wait, Dwayne Haskins, an Ohio State one-year starter who had all these tons of touchdowns, hasn't done anything in the pros yet. For whatever reason, you may point that towards. And I think getting a second year... It was really important. So he could distance himself against anybody making that comparison. Ohio State, one-year starter. Because now when we see him in season two, he's clearly improved. Mm. He's got great pocket mobility, and he has a real calm inside the pocket that I love. I think he's been extremely accurate, and I've been very impressed. To me, his tape over the last, like dating back to maybe the last three or four games last year, and then from what we've seen this year, I don't think you can say that Trevor Lawrence clearly has an advantage over Justin Fields on tape. I don't think – now, physical advantages, yes. But tape advantages, I don't really think that's the case. Yeah, I, I think that's fair to say. You know, it, I think it is tough because Ryan Day in that offense – and I've said it before, just how impressive uh, that offense is and how that, that does help you know, Justin Fields uh, in certain ways. But, I mean, listen, he's still – he's showing a more of a willingness to work his reads this year. He's doing a better job of – uh, not focusing just on that first read and actually, uh, you know, moving left to right and just being a little more precise with, uh, you know, his, his the placement of his throws. And it's it's been really fun to watch because he, he is maturing. And that's what you would expect for a guy who this is his second year in the program. And listen, th- nothing drives me more crazy than and you know this happened with Sam Darnold when he was coming out of USC you, you get the comments well when's the last time USC produced a an NFL quarterback I'm just like what I don't understand what the decal on the helmet or the jersey color has to do with uh you know <clears throat> Matt Liner and Sam Darnold I mean there's there's no there's no similarities right. here besides just where they come from and you know with Dwayne Haskins and Justin Fields I get it a little bit more because it, they're so close uh, in terms of when they've you know left Columbus, but at the same time, uh, you know Ryan Day has talked about how he's changed the offense from Haskins to Fields because they they operate in different ways. They have different strengths as quarterbacks, so they don't run the same offense. And so it's you know I, I get that you know because I trust me I get it a lot on Twitter and elsewhere how Haskins with what he's done at the pro level, but. There's a lot of differences between these two quarterbacks. And yeah, I, I think especially coming back for the second year, it's just not a valid excuse to say, well, you know, Haskins hasn't worked out. So I'm going to ding fields just because of that. Yeah. And, and listen, NFL teams will do it too. And they do it in a positive way. If they, if there's something that works out for them, uh, it's called a copycat league for a reason. Mm-hmm. And, and some of the copycat leagues, I'll tell you a guy who's going to benefit. Let me go the other way. And it's a guy who is number 50 on your list, Mac Jones. Yeah. 
When Mac Jones from Alabama, now remember, I'm going to lay it all out for you. Last year's tape for Mac Jones, it was fine, but in comparison to Tua's, nothing special. Mac Jones, the guy who came in this year and immediately is extremely productive for an explosive offense. I think his tape looks better. I think he's more decisive. I think the ball's coming out quicker, and he's really seeing the field well. He's got those white, uh, the white undersleeves, you know, the compression shirt. You know who else wore the white undersleeve compression shirt? Another guy in the uh, in the SEC. I, I think that he could get a subconscious boost from Joe Burrow, yeah. where teams say, here's another guy. You know, the undersleeves on the shirt, the compression thing, I'm just mentioning that just because – it's one of those things where you see a guy with, with dreads and you see another running back with dreads and like, oh, he reminds me of Steven Jackson. You know, it, it's, it's these, physical, these physical things can give you comparisons and it's every, everyone does that. And all of a sudden you see a guy who's pretty mobile outside the pocket, can run a little bit with Mac Jones. Same thing with Joe Burrow. Nothing, you know, came out of nowhere to throw up these huge numbers. Big time SEC program. You start to add it up. And, and I think some NFL teams could, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, saying, hey, maybe this is another Burrow situation. When really you have to judge each guy, as you mentioned, uh, by, you know, everyone has to get their own uh, judgment. But the comparisons in a negative and positive way are human nature, mm-hmm. and it will hurt some players and it will help others. I think that's fair. And, uh, you know, you, you did mention the fifth quarterback uh, that did make it with Mac Jones. He's, you know, he. He's a guy where you watch some of his throws, and if he if his footing isn't perfect, if his base is not right, his ball will just die out there. Um, and there are yeah. times where his delivery is a little long. There's a little bit of a wind up. Um, you know, there there's sometimes he feels pressure that isn't there. Uh, so you know, he's he's far from this perfect quarterback, but he just he doesn't make mistakes out there. He his uh, decision making is on point. The accuracy has been above average, and yes, he really uh, benefits from that supporting cast. The offensive line, but, the targets, the running game. Oh yeah, sure, no doubt about it. But at some point, we got to give this guy credit for going out there, making the throws, making the decisions, and being productive. And so it's just it's really really fun. The and I, I want to give Sark credit too because I think they're scheming a lot uh, in that offense that really helps open things up. So. It's a it's a tough evaluation because of everything going right around him, but uh, you know I, I think he deserves credit as well, and that's why uh, I wanted to make sure he was included in that top fifty, and uh, you know above maybe some other quarterbacks that some other people are talking about, but just yeah. I, can I ask? Can I ask you about that? I, I noticed one quarterback missing, and I was curious about Trask. Yeah, and look, Kyle Trask has been, and I like Kyle Trask. I was talking about him over the summer. He was actually my quarterback four in, over the summer, my top senior uh, when I did my quarterback preview uh, on the Athletic. So I, I like Kyle Trask. I just I kind of think he is what he is. And that's a big-bodied, cerebral passer who uh, understands touch, understands timing down the field. There's things to like about him. But a couple things that just really bother me with him, uh, there are times where it looks like he's just throwing a very heavy ball. Does it, He can't always rip it. And then also just the fact that he lacks mobility. And in today's NFL, when you're facing the speed off the edge, you have to be a mobile athlete and move around a little bit or you're going to be in trouble. So Kyle Trask to me is in that Mason Rudolph category as a prospect where he's somewhere in day two. He projects as a uh, probably a backup who can maybe be a starter 
But I, you know, the production's been great this year for Florida. Uh, I think a lot of it's scheme based. Uh, you know, against uh, Georgia over the weekend, almost half of his yardage passing was to his running backs. So, you know, I, I mean, there's a lot to like about Kyle Trask. I don't want to make it sound like I don't like him because he's he's he was my top senior quarterback over the summer, and that nothing has changed. I just I'm not giving him the big boost up the rankings based off of what we've seen this year because I don't. I don't necessarily think that that's going to translate to NFL production. I, do you think I'm I'm off here? Or what, what are your uh, thoughts on the Kyle Trask? I'm still, I'm still perplexed here because I don't think he has the natural. I think he still is going to be you know a pocket quarterback. And isn't it funny to watch the issues that Tom Brady? And granted, he's 41 years old, but we just see so many pocket quarterbacks who really are just not. It's just they are so limited to their quickness of processing what blitz is coming and how well their offensive line and running back picks it up. And so I think that's that's a really interesting thing to get into is that I think Trask is going to be obviously more of a, a big pocket quarterback. And I, I don't know that I see a first-round quarterback either. I've heard some people talk about that, but I have to get into more of a deep dive for him. Um, I don't see Trey Lance as a first-round quarterback. I didn't see Jordan Love as one either, and Jordan ended up sneaking in there. Um, but Lance also is extremely young mm. and inexperienced, and there's projection that has to happen with him. And so um, he's a he's a tough one for me. I've got all my notes written, and I'm going to keep working on that. In your top 20, I notice you've got some pass rushers in there, and they're guys we've talked about before uh, from Penn State. Obviously, Quiddy Pay, uh, who had a pretty good game last week. Um, Greg Rousseau, who's going to be another Gregory Rousseau is going to be another difficult evaluation because he has one year and it's really unusual because he switched positions and then he got a lot of his production as a zero technique reduced rusher, Mm -hmm. which is not something he's going to do on the next level. I tell you a guy that you have number 18 that I'm really high on, and that's Rashawn Slater. And you and I have talked about Slater early in the year, but I finally got to finish tape on him and watch him and write him up. It's hard to find true weaknesses on him. He's not the longest guy, so if you want to call him a tackle, he doesn't have the length of a standard tackle. And 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 I don't think he has the 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 pad level of what you'd love to see at a guard, so you could argue he's a tweener, but let me tell you, he's extremely well-versed. He's a very technically sound guy. He's extraordinarily strong. And the reps he had, and I know you've talked about this, but the thing that really stands out about the um, Chase Young matchup is that not only did he look confident and composed on on every rep against Chase, he was one of the guys who could match power. Like Chase is just used to being able to overwhelm people with his size, strength, and length. And this is one guy who battled him head-to-head and really didn't seem intimidated by Chase Young's physical traits. He wasn't intimidated on – you know – in his play, and I, I really like Rashawn Slater's potential at either center guard or tackle. I, I'm really interested now. His arm length may be a, a shade under 33, so that's it's going to be a problem for him with NFL teams. But man, he is a good football player. He doesn't try to be something he's not. You know, like he just he, he plays within himself. He knows his strengths as as a blocker and. Uh, he really taps into those, and it's it's really really fun. And I, I I talked to him a few weeks ago for the story I did that's up on the athletic, and you know he told me that he's you know working out a little bit at center, a little bit at guard, just so you know he can have that in, in his toolbox. But he makes no bones about it. He he says he's a tackle. Duke Manyweather, who's uh, one of the best O line trainers in the country, he's he's working with him down there, and 
uh, DFW area. And I mean, Duke says there's no question that he's a tackle. So it's it's really fun to watch. I, all I know is he's a good player. I mean, he is a starter, starting level lineman in the NFL, uh, you know, whichever position. He reminds me of Jonah Williams. He's okay. a Jonah there Williams to me because he aren't because. You just tell me, well, maybe he plays guard. Some teams see him as a mm-hmm. center. He can play tackle, but he has short arms. I just know he blocks people. He gets people blocked. You can just draft him and figure it out, but just go get somebody who gets guys blocked. And that's what he is, and that's what I used to say about Jonah. But I also thought Jonah could play tackle. So, right. you know, I had a pretty good grade on him, and I'm going to have a good grade on – I'll tell you right now, I'm going to have a good grade on Slater. Yeah. Uh, go, why, don't you, why don't you go down the rest – some of the guys that stand out on the rest of your list for the listeners. Yeah, well, and Slater was my uh, number two rated senior. Quiddy Pay number one. Slater, number two. Devontae Smith uh, from Alabama, number three. So, you know, we'll see if we get to see those three guys at the Senior Bowl or not. I think some of the bigger surprises, you know, the biggest offensive riser um, from the preseason draft board was obviously Zach Wilson. Biggest defensive riser, uh, Aziz Adjaleri from Georgia, who a little bit of that tweener at 6'2", 245. Uh, but man, he's such a good athlete and it, it shows in space. It shows when he's stringing out runs in the run game. It shows as a pass rusher with the way he's able to win the corner and beat blockers in different ways. So Audulary, I think, has really, really helped himself this year. Still just a redshirt sophomore, but um, excited for him. Uh, another, you know, a, a guy that I really liked over the summer. I graded him as a first round pick in uh, the my first uh, draft board in August. Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, the linebacker at Notre uh-huh. Dame. I, anybody that watched that Clemson game on Saturday night saw the impact that uh, Koromoa makes on the team. And, you know, he's a little bit of a tweener. And, you know, I think the Isaiah Simmons conversation is going to, you know, we talked earlier about how uh, guys can be affected by recent draft picks and things like that. Well, Isaiah Simmons struggling in Arizona how is that going to affect the Wusukoromoa? That's something that's going to come up. I have no question about that. But to me, he's just he's that perfect overhang linebacker, that nickel backer who is so explosive. He plays with power. He's so rangy and athletic. Um, I, he can just and and the the more he's out there, the more he seems to be learning and adapting and seeing things quicker. And so I, I, he came in at number fifteen for me. I think he's got a chance to go in the top half uh, of round one. Uh, another player that I'm, I'm pretty high on who's uh, you know a little little bit under the radar, I would think. Um, I don't hear him talked about a ton, but I think he's one of the top three corners in this draft, and that's Darian Kendrick out of Clemson, a five-star wide yes. receiver who moved over to corner last year just because of depth issues. And I tell you what, he is an elite, elite athlete. And just the natural instincts that he shows, uh, pretty impressive. So a guy that's really young at the position needs to get better in you know in terms of breaking down route combinations and uh just his overall technique with his pedal and uh things like that but he's just he's a big time athlete and he's able to make plays out there even though he doesn't fully know what he's doing uh just yet so uh, i think those are a couple players that i I feel like i'm i'm higher on than others Uh, christian derisaw the tackle out of virginia tech he's at number 20 uh overall another player who i think is not talked about nearly enough for for what he brings. Another riser who I know you're very familiar with uh, down at Texas, Joseph Osai. You know who just this is a guy that the the foot is always on the gas. I mean he he plays so hard. The the effort is outstanding. He, he's just a a really really good player who has worked himself into that first round conversation. 
You can see, it's interesting you say his film gives off Justin Houston vibes. That's a great call because he does have some speed to power stuff that he can do. And he gets into you with, with pretty good length. He's not a tall, it's not, he's not like a six foot five guy, but he's a longer frame player. And what's really interesting to me is you can see him figuring it out. Um, on the move like Mm. from game one against UTEP to now you can see a different player he is learning and processing this is this guy's like this is like a machine learning program or something where AI is just teaching him how to rush the passer and his instincts are are sharpening with almost every game and he's starting to figure out how to set up tackles how to how to hit his inside move you can see a guy who understands now and some of it Dane I don't know I don't know what you think but I think a lot of pass rush is your level of confidence it's like once JJ Watt figured out and I'm going from his Wisconsin days to his early Texans days once he figured out that he was stronger and more explosive than the guy in front of him it's like a different level of confidence Mm. went off in his game and I think Osai once you start having success and you start feeling like you're an ass kicker out there and like you can physically dominate somebody once you get to their edge or that you've got the athletic talent or sometimes it's just a matter of the thinking turns into reacting and that's when the quote-unquote instincts take over that's what's happening with Joseph Asai and I know he wasn't in your top 50 before the season so uh, that's a pretty big ju- I don't I don't assume he was that's a pretty big jump up to 24 but I think it's warranted yeah no he wasn't and part of that was you know he's changed positions this year playing that that jack role where he's able to be more of a designated pass rusher and uh, it just it really is a perfect fit for him it really fits his strengths as a player and he's uh, you know, I kind of took a wait and see approach with him, uh, knowing that he was switching positions, and it's it, it certainly paid off. He, he's been he, he's been terrific. One of the few, I think there were three Big Twelve uh, players on this list. So the SEC and Big Ten tied with the most. With both, uh, they both had fourteen. Uh, so uh, uh, no real surprise there. I'm trying to think, a few other maybe you know I, I think another player that's interesting is Nick Bolton, who you know we talked about the lack of length with a guy like Rashawn Slater at tackle. Well, the lack of length with Bolton's really going to hurt him. But I mean I don't know how you can watch him and just not love him as a football player. Uh, I mean the way he plays, the uh, the play speed, the explosiveness, the way he hits, uh, the instincts, the way he can diagnose things. Uh, just a really, really fun player. He's just, he's not a very, you know, he's not a, a tall, long player. And that's different teams are going to look at that differently. So that's, that's a, that's a tough one to peg right now. And a lot of these guys, because of the way the season has played out, it's, it's tough to really, that's why I try to wait until uh, November to, to do my top 50 update. And especially this year when some teams have only played a couple of games it's hard to get a feel for him. Sean Wade, for example, uh, out of Ohio State, you know, a guy we've talked about several times before. He's only had three games as an outside corner with very mixed results. Uh, that Penn State game was really tough for him. But if, you know, he can right the ship the rest of the way and play much better, then Sean Wade will be just fine. Um, and so right now he's at number 32 uh, overall. But you know, how he plays out the rest of the year is really going to ultimately determine if he's going to be a first round pick or not. So, you know, I think the same thing with like a guy like Rondale Moore, uh, who had one of the best freshman seasons we've ever seen at wide receiver, but missed most of last year and hasn't been able to get on the field yet this season. Uh, And Purdue's been 
pretty quiet about that situation. So hopefully, uh, you know, we get a chance to see him back out there soon. Or, you know, I don't know how you could really justify taking him in the top 40, maybe even the top 50 picks, uh, just with everything uh, surrounding him. So yeah, a lot of these, a lot of players right now, uh, there's there's a lot of question marks that we uh, we don't have answered. You know, we just, we're kind of wondering, uh, you know, there, there's some missing part pieces of the evaluation, missing puzzle pieces that we just don't know yet. So this top 50 list will continue to evolve and grow. And, you know, I know it's it's kind of like a living document. Yeah, but I like one of the things that I think is interesting. If you need pass rush, which last year wasn't a great mm-hmm. year, this is going to be a better year for pass rush. Yep. This is going to be, once again, what, what appears to be, depending on how guys come out or not, it's not going to be as heavy on the top end as right. last year. It's ironic. But it's going to be yeah. a little deeper. Yeah, it's, it's a little deeper also at offensive tackle where you have more offensive tackle prospects in your top 50 uh, than most of the draft years that we've seen. Now, once again, you're not going to have the big name like the big four uh, from last year, but I do think you're going to, if you have a tackle need, you're going to have some guys that you can uh, lean on this year. And then this is also going to be a year where I think you have uh, a little more linebacker help and and corner help as well. Depending on who comes out, there are some corners. It's going to be similar to last year's corner draft, I think. But um, I'm not sure about the depth. I'm not, I'm not as knowledgeable about the entire depth. That's going to take time for me to go through all the tape, and it's that's a, certainly a process for me. But um, really, your, your top 50 is a great catch-up point for anybody who wants a head start with some of the draft prospects that are out there and the guys you need to be focusing on. Dane's list is, is fantastic. Well, and you make a, a really interesting point how you know we had Miles Garrett and Joey Bosa and then Nick Bosa and then Chase Young. You know, we've had we've been spoiled with these pass rushers at the top, and this year we don't have a top ten slam dunk uh, pass rusher, but the depth that we could possibly see in the teens and then the back half of round one is really interesting. And, you know, at tackle, we had five tackles drafted top 20 last year. This year, Penny Sewell is the only one who I think is a, a slam dunk uh, offensive tackle in the top 20 picks. But, you know, we've got good depth with Slater and Derisaw. And, you know, we'll see if, if a Walker Little can move up. You know, Sam Cosme. Let me get your opinion real quick on Sam Cosme. Is he, you know, I know you watch the Longhorns quite a bit. Is he a guy that you had that has caught your eye that has maybe helped himself, hurt himself this year? I think he's I think he's getting better. Uh, reminds me a little bit of some of the same issues Ezra Cleveland had mm-hmm. from Boise, to where he's got the, the the foot quickness and he can slide and mirror. You know what? Once again, it's going to be strength. It's going to be dealing with against the bull. You know, dealing with the bullies of the league. Who, if they sense that you are a little weak, they will try to bull rush you and they will try to you know uh, get your inside uh, get your inside edge by maybe giving you an outside move and then just trying to power through your inside post and so. Uh, to me, it's going to be, can, is he going to play into that body type? I I don't know that he's a guy that can carry 315. Uh, th- that's the concern for me is, is can he maintain enough weight uh, in the NFL? I think right now he looks like a, a second rounder. I think you have him pegged right now. To me, he looks like a, a second round prospect. And what we get with tackles is if you're a second round prospect with tackles, you sh- you've got some pretty good tape, but there may be some physical deficiencies, whether it's foot quickness, whether it's a little bit of strength, whether it's arm length, a lot of times, because if you've got those things, then you tend to get pushed into the first round. Even if you're not a first round talent, it's such an important position that you'll get a push into the first round. Because at this point, though, I think there are enough, I think there's, there's legitimate concerns that could cause him to fall into the day two, um, 
realm. So mm. I think that could be what we're dealing with with Walker Little, with um, uh, obviously with and Walker's going to be a strength issue too. Um, Guy like uh, same thing goes Liam Eikenberg from Notre Dame. Like he's Liam Eikenberg. Yeah, yep. he, he's kind of in that mix too. A guy that you know makes a little. It, a few too many mistakes for a redshirt senior, but at the same time, he's just he's a rock solid player. He's yep. he's a solid athlete, uh, not much of a drive blocker, but I think he's strong enough at the point of attack. I wouldn't know if I'd classify him as a technician, but he stays pretty tight with his hands. And so, I mean, there's a lot of, to like about these tackles. It's just there's maybe some you can poke holes in each one of them, and so it's just trying to figure out how to stack them. It's an interesting group. What? I think with Eichenberg, the thing you're going to have with him, and Cosme to an extent, Cosme's going to have plenty of tape, but the fewer unknowns, mm. the more comfortable teams are yeah. with tackles. Like if you know that Eichenberg can withstand, uh, can get out of his, it can get out of his stance and play in an outside zone scheme. Does he have enough? You know, does he have the ability to combo and work up? Of course he does. That's what Notre Dame does. Is they put you in a variety of different schemes. Um, is he going to push people off the point of attack? I think he's more of a maybe a little bit. Uh, he's in the Mike McGlinchey mold where McGlinchey wasn't. Now McGlinchey was a better drive blocker than Eichenberg is, but I think Eichenberg, a team may look at him and say, you know what? We know what we've got. He's not going to be perfect, and he has some deficiencies. But we feel like, as you mentioned, he's rock solid. We know who we have here, and he can help us in a pass pro. And he's, you know, he's going to be technically sound. So those kinds of players, a lot of times, certain teams will say, "Let's just get a solid guy we can stick on the right side, and let's and let's, you know, let's be done with it." Yeah. So that's where he could, uh, he could he could help himself. And of course we're going to hear hear about some different names that you know end up popping up late for from from some smaller schools as well. So, uh, I'm excited to see your next 50 and see how that morphs as the season goes. Yeah, nothing wrong with a uh, a, a low ceiling but a, a high floor uh, type of prospect. Uh, that that Sure, those are good. Hey, singles and doubles are yeah, important too. There you go. Perfect. That that's a that's a good way to to end things today, you know, hopefully uh, you go and check out the top 50 list. Uh, it's up on The Athletic right now. And actually, I'm coming out with an article tomorrow that got, goes over the 10 players that fell out of the top 50. And I kind of go line by line on those 10 players, kind of discuss uh, why they did and, you know, kind of where we are with uh, with their prospects. So that'll do it for today. You can find Lance uh, on Twitter at Lance Zerline. I'm at DP Brugler. Please subscribe, rate, comment. We really do appreciate that. And uh, we will talk to you next week.